Samuel, thank you so much. It just uh, it is such a blessing to be back in touch with all these old friends from uh, days gone by in India. Uh, I've seen a number of uh, you on the the call with Nathan and James Bandela and, and and Samuel and many others. And so it's a it's a privilege to serve you and to, to and I just thank you for the opportunity. Let me just quickly start with a word of prayer, and we will just jump into it. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time. Thank you for each that have gathered uh, here on this call. Lord, I pray that your word would uh, penetrate our hearts and minds, that it would change us, that it would uh, grow us, that, it would, that we would bear much fruit as a result of you working in and through us. And so, Lord, we just commit this time to you, commit this teaching to you, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so as was said, uh, we're going to talk about the power of attitude. And to me, attitude is one of the most critical things, both as a leader and as just uh, somebody trying to live life. It's critical because our attitude will affect how we behave, what, how we act. Um, so let me just start with the, uh, I've got a PowerPoint here. We'll kind of just begin to, to walk through that. And so you can see that uh, on your screen here. So the power of attitude, um, it really begins with the, kind of the biblical foundation. And that's in Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the reality is, is that we live in tough times. Uh, this pandemic has hit the world. Uh, hard uh, all over. Uh, and the United States is no exception. We have uh, probably more cases and more deaths than anywhere in the the world. Uh, and it's, so it's affecting people's lives. It's affecting businesses. It's affecting churches. It's affecting every one of us, both from families to pastors to churches. And so the, the question is, do we allow the circumstances of our difficulties or of life to um, mold us or shape us, or do we allow our attitude to help us walk through that? So this verse says, is, do not be conformed to this world. Don't let the world put you into its mold. Don't let the circumstances change you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so this idea of attitude is critical. So we're going to talk about uh, uh, eight different attitudes that will help shape our, our thinking and and thus our actions, and then the impact that we would have in this world. But it all starts right here in, in our thinking and our mind. Um, so uh, one of the things I just want to show here is that life does have many ups and downs. There's mountains and there's valleys. And it just depends on how we look at that is uh, will depend on our attitude will help us show how we walk through that. I'm not going to go through all of these things, but just the fact is that there's these ups and downs. And when we're on top of the mountain, life is good, but it's life is not lived on top of the mountain. It's generally lived in the valleys. That's where the food is. That's where the water is. That's where the people are. Uh, but that those valleys are filled with brokenness and surrender, pruning, sacrifice, perseverance. So it's a challenge, but it's in my thinking I can see that as a good thing, that God is at work and he's changing me and growing me to be of greater use in his kingdom, not just in this world. 
So as we talk about is that attitude always leads to action. And action is faith. Faith uh, stepping out and uh, on God's truth and speaking that and acting on it. And it will change you. It will change your world. So the power of attitude. You know, it talks about in, in Proverbs uh, 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So our who we are, our character, our behavior, our, our actions, all are a product of our thinking and our attitude. But it encourages us in 1 Corinthians 1, it talks about that we can have the mind of Christ. So it's not just try, me trying to, to know things and learn things and read things from books, but it's literally allow Christ to change my thinking and, and, and be my thinking. So I always believe that attitude is really the largest determinant in finding success and significance and satisfaction in life. It will change everything. Um, and the mind of Christ, we can think his thoughts, but attitude ultimately is a choice. And I choose to believe certain things. I choose to believe the Bible. I choose to believe Christ. And that affects how I behave. The question is, how has your attitude affected your life and given you victory over your circumstances? So we all have ups and downs, It's and some are more difficult than others, but it's the person that has a biblical attitude, a, a godly attitude, that will actually prevail in life. And so there is a real power associated with attitude. And so we, we begin there. And so it is... Flourish, it allows us to flourish in troubling times. Not let the troubled times to define us, but we actually are fruitful and we flourish and, and we are much greater. But we have to know that in this process of attitude, that life is short and we need to make every day count. Uh, we don't know if we have life beyond tomorrow. We don't know when the Lord's going to come back. So we need to live every life and every day as if this is our last day. And how can I be fruitful? How can I be effective in God's view and in God's kingdom? And we need to make every day count, make it profitable. So that launches us in. I'm just going to briefly cover these eight attitudes and we'll break them down uh, quickly one by one. But the first is always be thankful. So just was uh, was mentioned by John, this attitude of gratitude. We'll talk more about that. So from thankfulness, that leads us to a picture of hope to live in hope. Uh, and then God has a purpose for us. Out of that hope, God has a plan, a purpose, a calling for our lives. And then that moves us into this idea of character. Be your best. Be the best person you are and can be. And then give your all. Give your life away. Be generous. Uh, don't hold on to things. Don't try to hoard things, but to give it away. And then put others first. Because even Christ sacrificed his life for the life of others. We're called to give our lives away to others. But to keep our mind on, there's two kingdoms. Uh, and there's God's kingdom and there's the world kingdom. And we live in both. Uh, but we need to keep this eternal focus, God's kingdom in mind, as I'm living day to day. And then finally, I need to attack today. I need to be proactive. I need to move out and take on what God has for me. So, um, so these are the, that's the starting point, the vision, the mission, our heart, commitment, people, goal, and the battle. That kind of frames these attitudes and the part they play in my life. 
So, uh, and so there's this, we start uh, at the top there that God prepares us. So the first couple attitudes are preparation, thankfulness, and hope. And that leads me to a direction that gives me purpose and character. And at that direction, then I begin to execute. I begin to take action. I give my all. I put others first. And then I begin to multiply because I'm looking at the, the eternity and taking a proactive approach for the day. So the first attitude, always be thankful. First Thessalonians 5.18, it says, in everything, give thanks. Uh, so we're called to be thankful. There's a number of different verses, uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and everything give thanks. So, but thankfulness is not, it's a choice. It's not easy because sometimes we have really difficult problems and we have to lean into those challenges and to, to practice this. So we have to have a belief, first of all, that problems are always, a, there's a silver lining because there's an opportunity for us to grow and an opportunity for God to show up and work through us. So a couple ideas in terms of this, I'll always be thankful. First of all, I have to understand that life is going to be difficult and I need to embrace the pain. I need to embrace the challenges. We all have them. The question is, what is my attitude toward them? Do I react? Do I get mad? Do I get emotional? Or do I step back and respond and have a godly attitude? Life is not easy, but it's how we handle it will make all the difference. And so we either allow the difficulties to mold us or we become victory over that. But so we need to know where we are. We need to 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 see the, these things and, like I say, embrace them, begin there, learn to seek and to grow. Take responsibility for where you are. You know, you can't blame other people for your challenges. You know, sometimes they are a product of other people's either sin or, or problems but I have to own them. I can't live a life of pointing the finger at other people and say, well, they did this to me and that's where I'm at. And, and I just get stuck. That does not help. Uh, so I take responsibility. I own the problems. I don't make excuses and I control my emotions. Um, uh, I allow the Lord to live over my emotions and, and, and that truly be looking for good and opportunities. So we need to lean into those challenges. I need to, to see them. So in my life, I, my life, I've had a lot of challenges, uh, you know, just in, in business as well as in, in ministry. Um, I had a, a business a while back, uh, just a few years ago. And, uh, through the, um, through my partner, he did some things wrong and got us totally fired. And I had a, a business that was in 23 different countries around the world selling barbecue grills to major uh, mass retailers. And because of the action of somebody else, I was fired. I could have been reactive, but I chose, Lord, thank you. You have changed my direction from one way to another way. And so this has opened up some opportunities now to do more leadership training around the world. So, but it all starts with thankfulness. Thankfulness is a choice. I'm thankful not for the problems. I'm not necessarily thankful for the pain, but I'm thankful that God is with me in that. And God's hand is on me and he goes before me and comes after me. I am thankful for who he is living in me and living through me. 
And so I can then embrace that. It says uh, in James 1, 2 through 4, consider it all joy when we encounter various trials, knowing the testing of our faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So we can see that this verse tells us to consider it joy, to be thankful, because God is going to use this to grow us, to mature us, and to literally perfect us. And out of thankfulness is the practice of thankfulness is contentment. I am not allowing the circumstances to define me, but I am content. I am at peace because God lives in me. Christ lives in me. So that is the first um attitude that we need to and that's the the foundation of all these attitudes well then as i'm thankful uh in the moment i then look to the future i live in hope so it's not just living in the moment in the day and i that's where i have to live i can't live in the in the future or in the past but i can have a perspective about the future where the lord is taking me and this idea of hope uh, and so there are a couple different verses that talks about in Ephesians 1.18. I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. You might know the hope of your calling. God has a, a calling for us and a hope. It says in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So no matter how difficult, how painful, how much struggle you're going through, the Lord has a hope. It, the hope is in him. The hope is in eternity. The hope is alive in you now. It says there in Romans uh, 8.18, For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared to the glory that is being revealed to us. And in 24, For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one hope for what he can see? But we hope for what we do not see. And with perseverance we wait eagerly. For it. So we live in hope because we know our end goal. We know our end is in Christ. It's in heaven. And that gives us this sense of hope. And, and hope then defines my future uh, and then motivates me in the moment. It compels me. It, it helps me change. I, I realize that the, the possibility of things is when I'm hopeful, I can see challenges as opportunities. I can see there could be good things in this. Uh, but in hope, I do need to also surrender. I need to, I think, is uh, my rights or my old patterns and, and way of doing things. In hope, I'm also, I'm a steward. I give up ownership because in hope, it's not about me trying to hold on, but I am literally giving my life over to the Lord to work in and through me because he is my hope. He lives in me and he wants to work through me so this idea of hope it gives me a, i need to have a cause bigger than my business i need to have a cause even bigger than my church or in my ministry or my family i have a cause that that incorporates god's kingdom and that's my hope and so hope is clarified in the times of the difficult to sustain us in the times of the good um so we need to have this idea of hope. Uh, it's a positive view of the future based on God, not on me. And hope leads to faith. See, much of the Christian life, we, we spend a lot of time talking about love and almost as much time talking about faith, but we very, spend very little time talking about hope. 
But in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says uh, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So you want to grow your faith? Grow your hope. Your hope in Christ, your hope in heaven, your hope in God's word. That's where hope comes from. But the action part of it is just as in uh, being thankful we're to be content, in hope I need to surrender. And I'm called to live as Christ. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And then it says in you know 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who, who works in me. So hope is able to see that light, uh, there is light, and there's a light at, at the end of every tunnel. So even in my own life, I've seen job losses. I've seen financial losses. I've seen ministry losses. But God is faithful because he is already working ahead of time to build into my life, to grow me, and to have a better future. So I'm thankful and I'm hopeful. That's my preparation for life. And so I build on those two things. And then that leads me to this. Uh, so am I, as God prepares me uh, with thankfulness and with hope, then he gives me a sense of purpose, where he is directing me, what he wants me to do. Ephesians 2.10 says uh, that uh, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So God has a purpose for each of our life. God has a plan. And, and that plan is not always to everything to be nice and wonderful and warm and fuzzy. It's going to be these difficulties. Because one of the great things of difficulty is that people relate to my struggle more than my victory. Now, we're called to live in victory, and we have victory in Christ, yes. But it's if I relate to people and as I work with people, it's as I'm walking through the difficulties, they see that I'm real. I have the same problems and challenges that they do but I am different. I'm living above them. I'm not sunk down in them or sitting in a ditch. And so the, this God uses these difficulties in order to actually attract people. And we're created for that. We're, God has created you for something more than just this world. He created you as a, 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 a being that would be filled by him but then to make take his light into the world, his love into the world, his, and to change people's lives. And so my business, just as, as uh, uh, Sam was talking about, his business then becomes a platform for ministry. It's not just about making money. It is actually a, uh, as he called it, he's the, he's the ch it's his church, and, and that's where he ministers to people and, and helps feed people. So God has a purpose for your life. Where it is, he taking you. So each of you on the call today, I want you to challenge you to think about what is God's purpose for your life? What has he made you for? What has he prepared you for? What is he working in your life? He has a purpose and a plan. Don't just go to work. Don't just try to make money, but be intentional about God's kingdom. And as I set my purpose, that allows me to set priorities because we can be so busy in life and doing things, and caught up. I'm just busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. But busyness is not the problem. Busyness is like having a temperature. The temp uh, My body has a temperature, it goes up when I'm sick. But the temperature is not the problem, it just says I have a problem. Busyness says I have a problem. And busyness 
comes from the lack of priorities. And the lack of priorities comes from a lack of clear purpose. And I challenge you to have a clarity of purpose and what God has given you. Uh, and so as you set those purpose, you, you have the priorities, and then God works through those. And then we have strengths. God has made us unique uh, and strengths to be able to, to use those things in a way that would uh, uh, fulfill his purpose for us. But when we have that clarity of thankfulness, of hope, and purpose, then I can walk through difficulties. I remember years ago when I was went into ministry, I went from, uh, I mentioned Shell Oil to um, uh, leaving that and going into ministry. Um, we moved from Atlanta to Houston, Texas. And I was so excited going into ministry. is going to be fantastic. And everything kind of fell apart. Finances went way, way down, almost to zero. My um, you know, family was against us, and they were actually almost hostile. We went from a lot of friends to no friends. And so we were alone. We were hurting. And I, I, there were some days I thought, did I miss it? Did I miss Why did God call me into ministry if it's going to be so painful? And But the Lord was just showing me that he had called me into it. And he was my hope. It wasn't my circumstances. It wasn't how I was feeling. But God had called me into ministry, and he was going to use those things to help grow me. And uh, and that's where God uses that to help prune us. Uh, pruning is, he says, he prunes us that we might bear more fruit. Uh, it, it's not correction, but it's pruning. And so God uses that in, in our own lives. And so when we have that sense of purpose, then we have a sense of direction. We have a sense of priorities. We have a sense of why. He is calling me to do whatever. So I challenge you, write out your purpose and begin to reflect on what God has for you. So that leads us to the fourth attitude. And that's goes from, you know, this, this being of being thankful to the future of hope. And then this purpose of, of the reason why I'm living now to my character. Be your best. God wants us to reflect Christ, the, the character of Christ, the life of Christ. It says in Romans 5, 2 through 5, it says, you know, uh, that, that we would be thankful in our, our, our difficulty because difficulty brings about perseverance. Perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. So God has to use us and use difficulty to develop my character, godly character. And what is godly character? It's trustworthiness. It's respect. It's responsibility. It's humility. It's integrity. And that's when we reflect God's character, then the world takes note. Uh, I'm trying to do, I'm doing my best. The, it doesn't mean that I am the best. I'm doing my best. And uh, just a, a picture of that in my own life. I remember going, I was in college and studying mechanical engineering, very difficult subject. And it was a difficult school, uh, but I did very well at it. In fact, I did so well. My goal was to be number one in the class, to be the best. And so after four years, I actually achieved being the best. But I wasn't, I did not, had not done my best. I knew how to get good grades. I knew how to take tests and I actually achieved good grades, but I did not know how to be a good engineer. 
I did not know really how these things worked. I just knew how to take a good test and get good results. Uh, and so I never actually went into engineering. I actually went into sales. Uh, and so it's a picture of I can be the best, but not have done my best. And so I could be number one, but have, have done you know less than I could have. And so it's not being number one or two, but if I've done my best, that's what God wants. And so character, that reflects God's character. So character is developed in the midst of difficulty, and the Lord prunes us to, to shape us, to grow us, to, to bear more fruit in that. And, and a person without character is like a ship without a rudder. A character gives me that ability to say yes and no to what's right and wrong and to be able to then move forward. And so also a godly character is doing things with excellence. Christian work ought to stand out. It ought to look different than the world because we have not only uh, done our best, we are doing it unto the Lord. We're doing it to glorify the Lord, not ourselves. And so it, we do things with excellence in order to improve and to grow, to go the extra mile. And that outworking of character and values, again, is what will make a difference in your life. It will make a difference in the world. And it will attract people to yourself. So we need to be our best uh, in all situations. It says in, in Matthew 5.16, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify God who is in heaven. So it's the this light of the good works is what we are um, being our best is what that light is. And it attracts the world. It brings light into the world, but it also glorifies the Lord. So we're to be faithful in the little things. You know, it says in, in, in Luke 16, if we're faithful in little things, he will give us much. So be men and women of godly character, of integrity, of humility. Uh, don't seek the limelight, but reflect the light of Christ. And that leads us to the fifth attitude. And so once I have this godly character, and I have a, a purpose and a direction. Now I need to give my life away. Uh, it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 8, it says, He who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. And he who sows generously will reap generously. God says, it, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the law of the harvest. If we sow a little, we're going to get a little. But if we sow generously, God is going to give us much. So we're called to give our life away. And not to hold on to it, not to, to hoard it to ourselves, but to, to, to give and to, to give generously. And so we, we don't hold back. We don't try to hoard, but it's, it's in our giving that the Lord then puts more into our hands. Because if I'm holding on, God can't put things into my hands because I'm holding on to something. But as I'm giving, then I have other people's best interests at heart. Uh, God begins to, to mature me and to, to grow me. And I began to have a sense of my real wealth is not in things, but it's in the relationships and it's in the, the things I'm giving away to help build people. That's where my real wealth is. And so the Lord wants us to practice this idea of generosity and that we are blessed to be a blessing. So we give our way. Our, our lives to people, to families, to others, uh, regardless of, of the circumstances. And that brings it, but that takes real commitment. 
I have to, I have, as without the Lord, we're all selfish and we're all self-centered. And so it takes the Lord begin to come into me to help me begin to give and then to give generously and to give my life away. But at the end of the day, it's what I gave away will be of most importance. It's not what I'm holding on to. So in in first Timothy uh, six, um, 18, it talks about this idea of, of, of giving, and it says, uh, instruct those to do good, to be rich in good works, be generous, ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of life indeed. So as we give away our life, our things, our relationships, we take hold of life indeed. And so that's what we're called to do. That's how God works in and through our lives. So as we're giving things away, giving our life away, um, God begins to bless us in a unique way, in a great way. And that leads us to the sixth attitude is where do we direct that giving? It's others. We put others ahead of ourselves. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, uh, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out on your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. So Paul was talking about, and he was actually in prison in this time, but he was encouraging the, the, the Philippian church to focus on other people. Don't focus on yourself. Put other people ahead of yourselves. Value others more than yourself. Value those relationships and that will give you a meaning and a purpose to life greater than you can even imagine. It says in Proverbs 11:25, it says, he who waters will himself be watered. So it's, it's in our giving away that actually the Lord puts back in our life. And so we give away to people. It's about relationships. You know, there's so many stories of rich people, especially here in the U.S., at the end of their, their, their life and on their deathbed, they ask, you know, what would you want? And they, most of them would say, I don't, I don't want more money. I would want more relationships. I wish I'd spent more time, you know, building into the lives of people, giving my life away to people. So what does it take to have that putting others first attitude? Well, it's to see that there is value in every, every person. We're all made in the image of Christ. We're called to help grow them. So we value one another. We give credit to other people. We don't take it for ourselves. Um, we take the responsibility, but we give the credit away. We sacrifice ourselves. You measure a person by the size of their heart, not by the size of their wallet or their, their stature. You encourage others to do their best. So we, we bring, we're in a community together. That's the picture of 1 Corinthians 12. We're the body. You know, some of us are eyes, some of us are feet, some of us are hands, some of us are the internal organs, but we need one another. And so I've got to see that in my weakness, I need you. And in your weakness, you need me. It's the weakness that literally brings us together. And so that community, we can't go it alone. Uh, but as we serve and care for others, the Lord is going to use that in our life and we will reflect Christ. It says in Mark, uh, 1045 the son of man did not come to be served but to serve to give his life a ransom for many first thessalonians 2 8 it says thus having a fond affection for you for we are well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel but our own lives 
because you have become very dear to us. So we need one another. And so that's part of even, I was so thrilled to be able to, to, to come back. I was talking with Richard Samuel about this whole uh, group that he's got going on there and, and both CBMC and Compass and, and to reconnect with, with, with Samson Johnuel, uh, 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 Samuel Johnson and to reconnect with these uh, dear friends in India. And so that's one of the great joys is that I have such fond memories of, of India, but it's the people of India. It's the relationships. And uh, you put them first, you sacrifice, and the Lord will bring much more into our life. And, it, you know, I'm reminded Jim Elliott says that, you know, it's no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And so as we invest in relationships, those are things that we don't lose. Uh, we might lose money. We might lose a job. We might lose, you know, all kinds of things. But we don't lose relationships if we have given our lives away to people. Um, and so it's, uh, but that takes a, an unselfish uh, thought. It, it needs to be a win-win. It, it, again, we have to put others ahead of ourselves. So that leads us then to, to focus on eternity. So as I'm giving my life away to people and I begin to execute, now the last two attitudes are really how does that multiply? How does the attitude we go from preparation to direction to execution and now to multiplication? We're to focus on the eternal. Now we live every day in this world. We live in, in the world kingdom, but we need to have a God kingdom perspective and so that's what it says in matthew 6 33 seek first the kingdom of god and uh, all these things shall be added to you uh, and so as we seek god's kingdom and his righteousness god is going to bring things back into our life and so we also have in order to see life as the eternal i have to understand that this world is not my home heaven is my true home that's where my citizenship is so don't build your life around this and try to make it all wonderful. And, and so I'm all caught up in the things of this world and I miss God's kingdom uh, because this is going to pass away. Uh, as we mentioned on the, the front end, you know, life is short, make every day count. And so if I'm investing in eternity, in eternity then I am going beyond this life. It's God's kingdom. And that's where the rewards, if you will, I will see, I will have true rewards in heaven as I focus on the eternal. So I need to see life from today, from the, an eternal perspective, uh, begin with that end in mind. Uh, and as I do, I, I begin to overcome the problems and I see tomorrow in the light of the hope of eternity. And I value people, uh, in terms of eternity, not in terms of things or things of this world. But, uh, but as the way to focus on eternity is to not try to build a big, um, portfolio here, but build a big portfolio in heaven. Cause that's where our true reward will be. And we'll enjoy those rewards in heaven for eternity. And, and that's what it talks about that it says in Matthew 6, 19, uh, through 21. It says, do not lay for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. 
So, uh, again, Jim Elliott, he is no fool, gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things of Christ. Put your mind on eternity and engage in the things that count. The only two things that are last forever are people and the word of God. And so we need to be focused on evangelism, on discipleship, on God's kingdom purposes. And that gives me that eternal perspective that I can then invest in the right things. So that leads me then finally to the, to the um, well, on that eternal, focusing on the eternal. So the gifts of the eternal life over a temporal life. There's many blessings and gifts when I focus on the eternal life. Love, security, significance, peace, power, life, joy, uh, wisdom, uh, vision, wholeness. These are the things I gain when I focus on the eternal rather than the temporal. Because when I focus on the temporal, now it begins to entangle me. It holds me down. Now I've got to be worried about this and that and, uh, you know, my house breaks down and, and my car breaks down. You know, all of this stuff has to be managed. But these eternal gifts are something that will be a blessing beyond the things of this world. And so that finally, so these are attitudes, but these attitudes always move to action. And it says we need to attack the day. We need to be proactive in the moment. Daniel 11.32 says, um, uh, it just talks about the people who know their God, display strength and take action. So we need to press in. Uh, we need to embrace the difficult road, the, the challenges of this life. And it says in, in Philippians 3, we need to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. So pressing on, it doesn't mean sitting still, doesn't mean wringing your hands. It means moving into the challenge and trusting the Lord to meet you and to empower you and to, to work through you. And in that, you we need to have a mindset of finishing well. Uh, so we're, we've got to hit the problems head on. Don't put them off. Press into them. And then be consistent with that. Be proactive with that. Don't be reactive. And don't quit. Uh, there's so many people that just get overwhelmed and they just fall into a pile and they give up. No, the Lord is with us. He is our, our hope. He's our strength. He is our power that works through that. It says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, My grace is sufficient, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, rather boast about my weakness, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So that allows me to walk in, even when I'm weak and, 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 and I don't have everything, it's his power that allows me to walk into the challenges. And then I, I and it talks about there, uh, and we have to understand that we are at war. There's, there's a war going on of good and evil. You see that a lot in, in India, the, the, the challenges, whether it's economic or political or, or, or just uh, in relationships. We're seeing it more here in the U.S., this, this, this challenge of good and evil. And we have to understand that we are at war and we need to have a war footing. Uh, and so we, the Lord is going to win the battle, but we need to put on the armor of God. And we need to go into that battle prepared and fully equipped to take those challenges. So we need to attack today. We need to, to press into it and to allow God to work in and through us. So let me just leave you with a couple quotes. 
and, and, and then we'll open it up for some, some questions and some comments. And I love Teddy Roosevelt, the, the president of the United States, uh, about a hundred years ago. He said, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives violent, valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again, because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. But he who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spins himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with the cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. So we need to be in the arena. We need to be pressing in and pressing on, allowing Christ to be our life, to, to, to move into our challenges uh, and to have this attitude of God is at work, he is working in me. He's going to work through me. He's going to be victorious. He is our victory. And so these attitudes help prepare me for that. And I'm reminded of Winston Churchill, a couple different quotes. He, first of all, he said, success is never final. Failure is never failing. When we're on the mountaintop, we're, gonna, we're not going to stay there. But if we're in the valley, the valley, that's not the end of the road. The last chapter has not been written. God has great things for you. He wants to do great things in and through you, both to honor him, but also to bless you uh, in this life and in the life to come. And you, that you being a blessing, that you would bless other people, that you would then bear fruit and much fruit and multiplied fruit. And so finally, this idea of attacking the day, you know, Winston Churchill said at the height of uh, World War II and, and England looked like they were going to be uh, taken out. He just said, never, never, never give up. Press in and press on. So these are eight attitudes that if I put my mind to it, and again, they're all rooted in scripture. So it's not just positive mental attitude, but it's the attitude of Christ. It's the attitude of him changing me and working in me and through me to mold me into to Christ. To, to bear the image of Christ, to be conformed to the image of Christ, but then to make an impact in this world. So again, as we started, attitudes will shape my destiny. And so the power of attitude is the greatest thing that God has given us to help us change and to help us reflect him and make an impact in this world. So thank you very much for the opportunity to share the power of attitude. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, that was uh, absolutely wonderful uh, to hear at this time when we are just getting ready for 2021. And uh, even as uh, we face uh, challenging situations around the world, it's so important that we uh, uh, you know, start with the uh, prepare our hearts with the right attitude. And I think uh, uh, what you uh, shared, uh, each of these uh, eight attitudes, uh, we have to go back, uh, we have to reflect on it and uh, prepare ourselves to, um, uh, you know, to have a wonderful future. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing your life with us uh, mm -hmm. as well. 
and uh, this time uh, friends if you have any questions do type it in the chat and uh, or if you want to just uh, respond as well as many of you are doing already you can respond in the chat as well and uh, we can spend a few moments if you have any questions so uh, where brother bruce can throw some light so do share your questions as well so if you share your question which can edify everyone i can uh, then bring it up to brother bruce um yes you know it was so uh, good to understand you know so many different uh, uh, valuable points that you've uh, brought out you know and uh, uh, just uh, uh, setting priorities you know and uh, if we don't have the right priorities then we can get busy with a lot of unnecessary things in uh, the last cbmc meeting on saturday that we had uh, one of the brothers mentioned a good point about uh, you know if there is a, a small degree of change in our direction uh, you know it can take us very far away from god in the future mm -hmm. and very important and like you said that uh, uh, you know the uh, goal is to become uh, like christ that to be transformed in the image and the attitudes of christ and that's so important so even as we reflect uh, how to go by you know and very often in terms of business we think about what we can make what we can get <laughs> in the next you know coming days but when we look at all these points we see that there is you know, it's all about you know uh, and and when you make a goal of uh, making and getting there can be a lot of disappointments but uh, you know the points that you mentioned uh, none of us uh, have any limit of doing these things and uh, uh, there, there will be no disappointment if we do these uh, we put these into practice yeah so, the lord is, is going to show you more of himself he, he's going to uh, grow you and then you're going to bear more fruit as a result of it uh, and so that's where the blessing comes from. Uh, and it says in John 12, 24, unless a grain of wheat falls in the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And so it's only in that process of dying and surrendering that God really bears much fruit in our life. Um, maybe, uh, you know, what would you uh, say in terms of, uh, let's say, a practical uh, uh, way in which we can check our attitude each day you know before we start or you know like we are in the beginning of the next year how do we check ourselves how do we correct ourselves maybe month by month um, any practical suggestions on that well one thing i think it would start just start on the daily part of it is uh, uh and it really kind of connects back to what you even started with is this idea of gratitude is i need to learn to be thankful so I wake up every morning and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what lies ahead. Thank you that you are with me. Thank you for what you're going to do. And, and I've, at times, uh, I, I, have a, I have a journal, if you will, of write down the things you're thankful for. Because oftentimes we're thankful, but then we forget. And then we go into kind of, you know, a, a funk or off, off, uh, off focus. But if I write down the things I'm thankful for, I can go back and remember what God has done in this situation and that situation. So to journal your thankfulness is uh, is a great practical thing. Uh, and I think the other thing, too, is that it's just getting together with other people to express that thankfulness. Uh, you might call it worship. You might call it all kinds of things. But just being able to be thankful 
not to have a pity party and not to um, have, you know, always focus on the the negative, but see what the good that God is doing. Because when I am down, somebody else is going to lift me up. And when I am up, I can lift somebody else that is down. So we need one another in that. So I think those two things would be practical things that would help us. Thank you, Bruce. There are some questions on the chat. Yes, uh, yes. There's uh, Jesu Felix who says, some thoughts, could you uh, throw some thoughts on growing hope? When there's Joseph Salvador, how to handle criticism when you think you are giving your best? Then we do have a few more uh, questions there. Would you? Yeah, we can go okay. one by one. So, All right. Well, let me address those two. So first of all, growing or hope. Well, hope starts with Christ. And it's not in, in it's not the world, I hope so. I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope, you know, I, I, I have, uh, you know, uh, you know, a good uh, outcome in this situation. So that's the world hope. That's wishful thinking. Hope is comes from Christ in me. It comes from God's word. And it comes from focusing on uh, the things of eternity. Those are the things where hope. So you want to grow your hope, grow your size of how big God is. Because uh, it has been said that the size of my problems are inversely proportional to the size of my God. If I have uh, big problems, my view of God is small. But if my view of God is big, those same problems are small. Because it's the size of God is will be determine the size of my hope so get a bigger view of god so you got to be in god's word you got to really take hold of christ in you this hope of glory so those are a couple things in terms of growing hope now you mentioned about criticism and and the world is always a critic uh <laughs> there's always going to be somebody say you know the cup is half empty and you didn't do this you didn't do that well uh, and we need to understand that. So what we, what I do is uh, there's two, two or three things I first of all I focus in on. Focus in on what does God think of me before what men think of me. Uh, God sees me as righteous. God sees me as His child. I am a part of His kingdom, and so my security is sure in Christ. So. When you understand who you are in Christ, you have a security and your significance is tied to him uh, and not what people think of you, whether good or bad. So it, it is in this attitude is I need to understand is that I am secure, I am significant, and that's where my satisfaction comes. But it all comes from Christ in me. And so then I'm, I don't worry so much about what the world says about me. Now, I need to listen in the criticism. Are there things I need to learn? Are there some things that I could do better? How can I improve? And so sometimes in the criticism, there are some real learning opportunities. So don't dismiss them all, but don't take it personal because God already loves you. There's nothing you can do to have God love you more, nothing you can do to have God love you less. And so my significance and my security are grounded in Christ, and that allows me to take uh, and not be overwhelmed by the criticism. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, uh, I think a couple of other questions are related. One is about, uh, you know, uh, people taking humility for granted. Um, that is one question. How do we handle that? 
and another one is how do we handle uh, uh, you know we live in a world where there is so much of hostility uh, towards uh, uh, the uh, christian attitude and how do we uh, people are always there to take advantage of us how do we respond to this challenge okay the thought being used yeah. by so first of all on humility humility is a choice i humble myself but i have to see that in my humility humility is good in every circumstance so but i'm humble because god is bigger than me okay my humility i can be humble i can choose to be humble because i am trusting in the lord it's people that don't trust the lord that have to lift themselves up and and focus on and become prideful focus on what they've done and how big they are because there's again their security is not in christ so when i am secure in christ uh and i know who i am in christ and how much he's forgiven me and how much i need him that brings me to a place of humility because i couldn't do it on my own i can't forgive myself in and of myself i am a dirty rotten sinner but in christ i am righteous and i am uh i'm a child of him and i have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places so that brings true humility and it's not that it I'm, i'm i'm trying to focus on my weaknesses but i just understand that i don't apart from christ i am nothing but with him i am everything so i can be humble now addressing the hostilities uh and and being a christian uh truly that is the challenge and we are going to be uh at times at war the world is going to uh go against us uh but again we have to understand the fight and the battle is not just ourselves we don't have to do it all ourselves he is the one that is going to go before us i mean it talks about that the 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 warfare is really in the heavenlies and he is working on our behalf he's working ahead of us before us uh he, he's working behind us his hands upon us so as i face these hostilities i have to also again be encouraged that the lord is in charge i need to pray i need to be wise in how i handle stuff and make wise response to his hostility i don't put myself in harm's way unnecessarily but i also don't be naive to think that the world's not going to like me and so i have to balance those two things and know that god is with me and he is fighting the battle uh with me and going before me thank you thank you bruce um is there any other questions um uh, pastor uh, i think i've covered most of them here um uh, bruce any uh, thoughts on you know how uh, see there is no I, i think no school or college which teaches attitude and uh, you know how do we uh you know help uh you know uh, let's say within a family or within uh, uh you know our um, let's say work colleagues and maybe there is somebody who's struggling with a wrong attitude you know how can we uh you know help in those circumstances i think where you, you the help is that first of all i have to come to a place of in the kind of where we started i have to first of all see uh i have to surrender i can't do it on my own anyhow but i also that being said as i surrender and and apart from christ i'm nothing 
But then on the flip side of that coin is I have everything in Christ. Uh, I have the blessing, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I have the unfathomable riches of Christ. I have the, um, you know, Christ living in and through me and everything that he has, I have. And so there is great promises. Uh, so I think a couple of the things is that not only just to learn to be thankful, but one of the things that helps us to be thankful is reflect on the promises of God. God has made many promises to us. And those promises are true uh, 2,000 years ago, and they're, they're true today. And as we take hold of these promises, they encourage us as opposed to be down or to be struggling. Now, it's more than just positive mental attitude. It's more than just saying, oh, I gotta, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. But I'm thankful in who God is. I'm thankful that God has forgiven me. I'm thankful that he is with me, that he is my life. And so I put the thankfulness to real solid, practical things, not just a mantra, not just uh, saying things and trying to, uh, you know, force my mind to go in a certain way, but truly that I'm thankful in things that are real, things that are, are um, solid. And, and part of that is, is God's promises, it's his character, and that he lives within me.